Okay, guys, if we could go ahead and be making our way back to our seats. If you got a Bible, uh, open it up to the book of uh, John, actually, verse chapter 17. If you have it on your phone, go ahead and open up that app. Got to get used to that. Open up your apps to the book of John, <laughs> chapter 17. Anyways, uh, the holidays are always kind of a fun time. Because while many of uh, our regulars are out of town or traveling or whatnot, we always get to see those who are traveling here. So it's great to see the Sakarlas from Des Moines, and I don't have the time to go through everyone. So uh, anyways, you guys, welcome from Chicago. I'm trying to think. Uh, uh, it is uh, uh, Nikki Hans. parents are here for the first time, so I won't uh, embarrass them. I made them stand up, but they're right there next to Nikki. Uh, so welcome to you guys from the Philippines. So uh, excellent. They uh, are, have moved to Eau Claire and desire to uh, come to church here with us. So uh, amen. That's awesome. Okay, um, <clears throat> excited about our, our message today. Uh, Ordinary to Emboldened is the title of our sermon series, which we've been walking through the book of Acts uh, for about six months now, and uh, I've tried to get a feel from a number of conversations. You guys think this sermon series is dragging on too long? Do you like it? Etc. Etc. And of course, everyone said, "This is just amazing." Uh, so, and I actually heard a, a professor of preaching said, "Only take a sermon series for eight weeks and." If you go longer than that, even though they say they like it, they're really tired of it. Uh, so, anyways, he's wrong. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Uh, we're all just trying to figure it out, aren't we? Okay, so anyways, we're walking through the book of Acts, and I hope if you're visiting with us, we really try to make each sermon stand alone too, but maybe it inspires some thinking can go back on the website or whatever and listen to some other messages. Hopefully, mostly what it inspires is you to love the Word of God, to thirst for the Word of God. Maybe some, some opening of God's Word actually makes it fresh and exciting and not... The Bible, I think, has a bad reputation of being dull and boring and irrelevant. Oh, that's so first century or whatever, right? Uh, uh, not, not true. Uh, the Bible is the living Word of God. It is alive and active, and it cuts to our hearts if we open our hearts uh, to us and uh, um, inspires us and, and feeds us, and it's just amazing. So hopefully as we walk through this, uh, we're able to think about it and ponder and ask, actually spur some more questions that we will go back on our own and uh, devour the Word of God and enjoy its good in healthy taste. Okay, so today we're going to tackle six verses in Acts chapter, seven, Acts chapter 15, verse 36 through 41, and we're going to talk about Paul and Barnabas and the split that happened in their relationship, okay? Uh, the Holy Spirit's power in and through us. Today, the title of our message is Unity, Victory, Unity, Defeat, and Lessons Learned for Today's Church. Amen? Unity. We see many victories in the book of Acts, but here we see a defeat. And we need to learn the lessons 
from the victories and the defeats for the unity of today's church. Amen? Now, I believe, believe uh, disunity breaks God's heart. It breaks God's heart. One of the things that I think brings the most shame onto 21st century Christendom, so to speak, is the incredible disunity that we see between uh, people who call themselves Christians. This denomination, that denomination, uh, even amongst same denominations, people can't even get together in the same building to, to worship. Even amongst the same denominations, some groups can't even pray together before a basketball game. And uh, um, it's such a contrast to this prayer in John chapter 17, verse 20. One of Jesus' last recorded prayers says, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That would be us. We believe in God through the message of the apostles. That all of them may be one. That all of them may be one. Father, just, just as you are in me and I am in you. Jesus' vision for unity is the same unity that Him and the Father and the Spirit experience. May they also be in us that the world may believe that you sent me. It sends a message to the world when we can't get along. It sends a message. And yet when we can get along and work through our unity struggles... Uh, the world will know by their love one for another that we are disciples. Amen? Um, I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Jesus' prayer for unity is for the church, the family of God to be one as we are one. One of the things that brings me as a father incredible joy is to see my blessed children of 16, 14, and 12 actually get along. Can I get a witness from the parents when they argue and struggle? It's like, oh, it's like nails on a chalkboard, right? But when one of them says, you know what, I'm sorry, I was wrong. I'll change no matter what you do. Why don't I get up to be the first to serve the rest of the family? I'll do the laundry. I'll do the dishes. See, this is called a vision. <laughs> amen. My kids are awesome. But uh, um, amen. That, that that's just brings such great joy to the Father's heart, to God's heart, when he sees his children, one, being one. Um, and yet the brokenness brings such pain. You know, I've experienced the pain of coming from a broken family. Uh, I've experienced the pain of coming from a church <clears throat> growing up that split down the middle into. And I think these experiences have created in me personally, uh, a passion for unity, some convictions that unity is worth the struggle. Amen? 
And uh, we need to be incredible students of God's Word. If this is so important to Jesus, let's be students of the Word of God, looking at the first century church's victory, uh, unity victories, and imitating them, and also studying and thinking about the unity defeats and learning uh, the lessons that we can learn from them as well. Amen? And uh, we can, as a church then, inspired and uh, uh, led by the Holy Spirit with Jesus as the head of the church, we can say, this is our conviction. This is the course that we are setting ourselves on. The process of unity building that we're going to maintain. And, and the vision is to be an answer to Jesus' prayer. That we can go someday before the throne of God and look into the eyes of Jesus. And we can say with a clear conscience, we did everything to build the unity that you prayed for as far as it depended on us. Amen? And uh, I think that will bring not us, but Him glory. Amen and amen. Okay, so let's look here in the book, uh, Acts chapter 15. Little review. Acts chapter 1, we see leadership unity issues. Who should take the place of Judas? But we see the issues overcome and the unity built. Acts chapter 6, we see ministry unity issues. The Grecian widows being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Hurt feelings, struggles. How are we going to get along? And yet we see, emboldened by the Holy Spirit, these unity issues overcome in a, unity, in a great unity victory. Amen? Acts chapter 8 with the Samaritans and the Jews. Acts chapter 10 and 11 with the Gentiles and the Jews. And then Acts, Acts chapter 15 with the, uh, more with the Gentiles and Jews. And how are we going to be one family with such different cultural, uh, ethnic, uh, religious backgrounds challenging this unity to the core? How do we do family together? And yet we see great family and unity uh, victory. And now let's read. In Acts chapter 15, verse 36. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us go back and visit the brothers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, committed by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. This is our text for today. And uh, uh, I want to talk about this, first of all, okay, so let's just unpackage a little bit what we read. We have Paul and Barnabas, who have been great friends, 15 years, partners in the gospel, 15 years or so. And remember, uh, Barnabas was the one who reached out to Paul and brought him in connection with the apostles. Barnabas then again, many years later, when he went to Antioch, Barnabas was, Paul was in Tarsus, Doing, we don't really know what he was doing up there, okay? But he was in there, and Barnabas went to get Paul and brought him to the church in Antioch. 
So Barnabas had, uh, even though Paul had a terrible uh, resume, so to speak, of murdering disciples and that sort of thing, persecuting the church, Barnabas was the one who said, I believe in you. You can have a second chance. I am a son of encouragement. That was his strength. He was relational. He was a glue. He was a connector. He was someone who was bringing unity together. Amen? And so this great partnership, you see the strengths of Paul is uh, he's right and wrong, black and white. He's a, he's a, he's a visionary. He's, he's strong. He's, his conscience is strong. And then you see uh, um, Barnabas as a, as, a, as a connector, as a relationship person. So what a great pair that they made as partners in the ministry. And so here we come to a point where the, the, they went on their first missionary journey. They had the Jerusalem Council. And now Paul's like, let's go back. Let's see how the brothers and sisters are doing. Let's strengthen them. Let's encourage them. Sounds good. You know, Barnabas, hey, and let's bring up to speed on Mark. So John Mark uh, went with them on the first missionary journey, but... After about the first stop or so, he left. He went back to Jerusalem. Okay, we don't know why he left. Maybe he was sick. Maybe he was, got scared. Maybe he was tired. We don't know what happened to Mark, but we know that he left. And now Barnabas says, you know what? Let's go back and get Mark. Barnabas is being himself, right? You know, let's pull him in. Let's give him a second chance. Let's give him grace. Give him encouragement. Could you imagine this conversation? Let's go get Mark. Well, I don't feel good about that. Why? Uh, because he left us. He deserted us. The mission of God demands strong character people. They need to be tested. They need to be tried, right? This is what he wrote in Timothy and Titus. They need to be tested and tried. Mark failed the test. He was tested, and he failed. The mission of God is bigger than any one individual. Yeah, but Paul... If I would have believed that when it came to you, you wouldn't have been here. And I went and got you and brought you to the apostles. Remember that? Yeah. And I went and brought you and brought you here. Remember that? Yeah. So let's come on. Let's go. This is, Paul, you just fought hand, foot, tooth, and nail scratched for the grace of God to the Gentiles and not following the law. Where's the grace now? Barnabas, I don't like your tone. You, your opinions here are getting a little edgy. There's right and there's wrong. I'm all for compassion stuff, but there's holiness. God is holy. Yeah, of course God is holy. That's what Jesus died on the cross. So we could have grace and second chances. I don't need to remind you how many second chances you got, do I? Oh, so you're going to go there, huh? You're going to go there? How many times do I have to apologize? Jesus forgave me. How about you? We don't, wouldn't it be amazing to be a fly in the wall in that conversation? I think you're doing pretty well. <laughs> Who knows? I've just been in so many of these conversations. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? But what went on? But it says they had sharp disagreement. One of them said, I'm done. Fine. I'm getting Mark. Go ahead. You go to Cyprus, I'll go up here. We'll just agree to disagree. And they went their separate ways. Now, we're not going to get into how did God, was this right? Was this wrong? Who was right? Who was wrong? 
Does the Bible condone this, condemn this? There's a one line that says the brothers, uh, Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the brothers. People have interpreted that as, see, Paul was right, Barnabas was wrong. Actually, if you look at the language, all it says that the brothers gave them, commended doesn't mean approved. Commended gives they gave them up to. So all this really is saying is they gave them, gave them up to the grace of God. So maybe the church was more along with Barnabas. And Paul's being a little stubborn. But God's grace with you, Paul. We don't know for sure. We don't know. Luke is mainly neutral here, wouldn't you say? But I think what we can do is look at it in some context of some of the other decisions in unity results. And I think we can draw some conclusions that this was a unity defeat, but not just, but to learn, our, learn the lessons from it, okay? Amen? And that's what I want to do. I want us to see how this works, okay? I have a table for us. Have you ever made tables when you study the Bible? It's a really good, fun way to draw, not read into the message, but draw out from the scriptures what the message may be, okay? So what I want to do is look in the immediate context of this passage of scripture, and I want us to make some observations, okay? And then we'll see, let's see what we see, okay? In Acts chapter 13, we studied this a, a little while ago. I want, us to, I want you to listen for some of these things on the left-hand side. Prayer, the Word of God, the Spirit of God, and the family of God being involved in judgment and decision-making and unity building. Okay, listen. Listen to this. In the church at Antioch, there are prophets and teachers Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. What do you see first of all? You see community. You see not just one prophet or teacher. You see a circle of prophets and teachers. Amen? Okay, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they fasted and prayed, they, they, group, community, placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, etc. And off goes the first missionary journey. This was a church sending off leaders. So there was multiple judgments, multiple decisions that needed to be made in the who, what, when, where, and how and why of this, right? Now, listen, do we have prayer involved? Worshiping the Lord, fasting, prayer, amen? Do we have uh, the Word of God involved? We had prophets and you had teachers. The context is highly fraught with the Word. That's one thing you see in the church in Antioch is prophets, teachers, Paul, Barnabas and Paul teaching the disciples over and over, the Word of God is at a high level in the church in Antioch. That's why we do teaching, preaching, Bible talks, discipleship groups, everything's like, get the Word of God out, get the Word of God out, get the Word of God out. What that does, it means the Word of God trumps our great opinions. Can I get an amen? Okay? 
The Spirit of God. Do, you, do we hear of the Spirit of God in Acts 13? Absolutely. The Spirit of God set apart. The Spirit of God sent. The Spirit of God made it clear. Lots of language about the Spirit of God. The family of God, this whole thing's in, in the context of family. All right? The re result, victory. Unity, victory. Okay? Now, we could go through each one of these. We just spent last week with the council in Jerusalem, or two weeks ago, the council in Jerusalem. All right? Uh, did that involve uh, prayer? Now, it's interesting. Prayer is not specifically mentioned. But if you got all these leaders working for actually probably a couple years on this, I think probably they'd say a prayer or two. More than that. I think that it's probably soaked with prayer. It just doesn't say it. So I'm not going to put the X there. But we can presume probably these were men of prayer. Okay? The Word of God, absolutely. James brings out the Word of God. Right? The Old Testament. The Spirit of God, uh, uh, Peter is, is all about the Spirit of God came upon the Gentiles. So the Spirit is absolutely revel, uh, uh, prevalent in this conversation. In the family of God, you got Peter, you got Paul, you got James, you got Barnabas, you got the Pharisees who are struggling with what to do with the Gentiles, you got the whole family, you got the church in Antioch, you got all this community coming together to work on something, discussing, bouncing off each other. Absolutely, the family of God is there, and the unity result is incredible victory. Uh, uh, in Jerusalem, between Peter and Paul, in the churches all through Antioch, in Syria and Cilicia, incredible victory, okay? Now, I call that 15A, the council. Okay, here's the, the five verses in 15B, this right here. Do we see any prayer? Any prayer mentioned in these five verses? Not a single mention of prayer. doesn't say Paul and Barnabas then prayed about it together. Do you see worshiping the Lord or fasting? No language to that. Does that mean they didn't? I'm not saying they didn't. I'm saying, Luke, there's no communication or observation from Luke. So maybe there's some intended message. Do we see any word of God? Nope. Do we see any spirit of God mentioned? Zero. Do we see any family of God? You know what, Paul? I think what we need to do is get help from the other brothers. Because I'm starting to have some, some feelings, some hurt feelings here. Let's go get uh, um, these other guys who are prophets and teachers. Let's go get uh, Simeon. Let's go get Lucius. You know what? Peter, is there a connection? Well, how about we give Peter a call? Well, I don't have a phone. My phone's dead. Well, you know what? The unity built in Acts 15 took hundreds of miles of travel, days upon days and weeks upon weeks of time investment in resources of the whole church to protect the unity and the faithfulness of the gospel. So when we don't even bother giving someone a call, it's revealing we don't, we don't value the unity like Jesus did. Why didn't they go get help? Let's give Peter a call. Let's talk to Mark himself. Let's talk to Silas. He's up here. Let's get others involved. None of that. And therefore, the unity result, defeat. Um, Acts chapter 16, uh, we'll go through this in the future, but you have where should we go in the mission? They're trying to get into Asia, but it says the Spirit of God stopped them. Paul had a vision. There's prayer and worship implied. 
Uh, this is a man from Macedonia, come over please and help us. They prayed. They together concluded that God had called them to go to Macedonia. This is Acts chapter 16. So what do we see in here? We see prayer. We see the Spirit of God. We see the family of God. And we see victory. I don't know. What do you see? What do you see? To me, I see that there's a process to building unity that honors God. And when that process is short-circuited, short-cut, it often then goes to the flesh of man instead of the Spirit of God. And we see unity defeat. Okay? So, what do we learn? What do we learn? Let's, uh, um, let's talk about what we can learn for uh, today. Okay? Um, I don't know. Do you guys like tables? It's pretty cool. You can almost take any section of Scripture, and you can, you can make these little tables, and you can use that in your observation step if you're a Bible student. This is called the observation step. And you don't just jump quickly to application. Take the time to observe, think, shoot it with questions. Um, and uh, um, tables are fun. Okay. See, here's the thing is... All of us are different, right? Actually, I'm going to get into this in a minute, okay? But this is a little bit of my uh, engineering background coming out. Um, okay, so how does the Spirit embolden us on toward this path of unity? But why, by the way, what do we want? Do we want unity defeat or unity victory? victory. We want victory, right? Because that glorifies and honors God and answers Jesus' prayer. So let's look at this defeat and learn lessons so we can have more victories than defeats. Number one, use your strengths. Number one, use your strengths to build up the body. We got to know what our strengths are. Amen? We are all part of the body of Christ, every one of us. Okay? So we got to know what are our strengths. And if you're only using your strengths that God has given you for your own gain or for the world's profit then you're misusing them. Now, I'm not saying we don't use them to get a good job, but if you're not using them to build up the body of Christ, then you're in danger of being idolatrous with the world. Amen? So what are your strengths? What are your passions? What are your gifts? What are you good at? Uh, um, use them to build up the body of Christ. You've got to know what they are and use them to build up the body. But secondly, you've got to know your weaknesses, because every strength carries with it a weakness, okay? Barnabas' strength, what was Barnabas' strength? Lift out some of Barnabas' strengths real quick. Encouragement, encouragement. he was encouraging, generous, open. glue, he brought people together, merciful, compassionate. That doesn't mean Paul wasn't. But what were Paul's strengths? Holiness, we kind of talked about this already. But guess what? Barnabas' strengths carried with them a weakness, didn't they? Barnabas' strengths of being relational, being emotionally connected, carried with it maybe some compromise for the sake of the relationship. Maybe too much compromise. Maybe not a clear picture of right in wrong, and there's a time to draw a line, right? 
could be. Maybe overly loyal. Maybe overly sentimental. There's all kinds of strengths. Paul's holiness, right and wrong, you know, maybe sometimes harsh. Uh, we see Paul's weaknesses come out at different times, okay? You got to know what your strengths are. You know, uh, I'll share from my own life and how this kind of plays out. Um, I uh, am a, one of the, the strengths, where's the Janssen? She's going to be proud of me. One of the strengths that I have is that I'm highly sensitive. See, I used to think that, but actually now I see that God can use my high levels of sensitivity to make me into a blessing to the body. I'm able to empathize with people. I'm able to hurt when people hurt. I'm able to uh, be in touch with some emotions, good and bad, right? Uh, I'm able to do a lot of things because of that strength. But guess what? And I used to call myself oversensitive. But now I'm more ex coming to more accept myself for the way God made me, and I just call myself highly sensitive. Okay? Something the Janssen taught me a few weeks ago. Um, so uh, uh, she's a counselor. So anyways, in, uh, uh, you got to know what your strengths are. You got to know. So that weakness, you guys want to hear about how that's a weakness? I can be overly sentimental. I can be overly so in tune with how someone may feel that I hesitate too much to say this is right, this is wrong. Are you with me there? Or when I do say it's wrong, I can say, well, you know, and I can kind of try to sneak in a little bit of wrong, but you're awesome because I'm so concerned with how they are feeling. You with me there? And that's a real weakness. If I'm not aware of that weakness, then I can make judgments and decisions based on the strength without the prayer and the fasting and the community around me that's, that is uh, balancing that weakness. Does that make sense? You know, one of the things, I'm a, I have an engineering background. I have a bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering. So my mind thinks analytically in Point number one, part B, part C, part D. You guys with me? And you're like, uh, can we get back to the title? <laughs> right? Sometimes it's too analytical, too in-depth, but that's an engineering. And I like building, and I like, well, how are we going to engineer the church, you know? And I like, so that's a strength. But it's also a weakness, because it can be dull and dry and boring, right? And so Tim... Bernicki, he doesn't have an engineering background. No way, Jose. <laughs> he has an artist background. And so he's able to come up here, and he's able to do beautiful pictures and talk about his dog. I mean, I was crying during the welcome. <laughs> what had just happened there? Right? But guess what? If he doesn't know his weakness, according with that strength, then he's, got, he's going to be judgmental of everyone who's not like him. But guess what? When God puts us together, then he can be an artist and I can be an engineer and we can work this out. And then the other guys, you know, have you guys seen Craig Bradle's Garage? Go see it. It's inspiring. Okay? 
organized, everything in its place and its clean. It's like I could eat off that. I'd love to find a speck of dirt on that garage. It would just make me so happy. And then come look at my garage. You'll be inspired the other way. Okay? But guess what? We can come together and God can make a beautiful thing. But if he's not aware of his weakness and I'm not aware of mine and how they affect my judgment, then we can be headed toward disunity. Does that make sense? So everyone has strengths. And I love how we're, so, we're strength-based in our society. And you're gifted and you can do anything. Actually, you can't do anything. That's a misuse of Philippians 4.13. You can do anything that God calls you to do, but you can't do anything. Some of you go try to be a professional basketball player. I'm going to give you a good news message. You're not good. <laughs> and that will help you in your life. Right? So don't take the Word of God to accomplish your own little selfish, ambitious dream. Okay? Uh, anyways, I forgot where I was. So, so oh, yes, yeah, strength-based. We need to be strength-based and not just all consumed with our weaknesses. But if we don't know the weaknesses correspond with that strength, you're in trouble, and your marriage is in trouble, and your kids are in trouble, and our church is in trouble. Are you with me there? So we've got to know what our weaknesses are, how they affect our judgment, and then we need to reveal them in order to need the body. Blessed are the poor in spirit. When you're poor in spirit, when you know your weaknesses and you share them, guess what? Now you're inviting God, the Spirit of God, the Word of God, and the family of God into that. And you can grow in that weaknesses. And God can redeem that weakness and do amazing things through it. Amen? And lastly, walk. So we have use your strengths, know your weaknesses, and walk with your spiritual community. Walk with your spiritual community. Okay? So how does this play out? It plays out by walking with one another. If you're thinking your religious life, your spiritual life is all just solo, I, I fear for you. You're dangerous. You're in dangerous waters. Is there an individual connection with God? Absolutely. But we're never created to be an only individual connection. Are babies born into just space? And good luck. They're intended to be born into a family, right? And babies will actually die for a simple lack of affection and connection. Um, we're born into a family. A, and let's, let's intend, intentionally build our family to actually be spiritual. That's a key word, a spiritual community. How do we do that? We devote ourselves to prayer. So in our, in our, uh, we have small groups. It's, those are essential for unity in our church. Because we can't walk together, all together, all 80 of us and 100, 100 what of us, here we are, we're walking through life together, come with me to my job. Weird, right? But we have small groups where we can connect and have this family, where we're devoted to prayer for one another and prayer together. Are we, are we devoted to prayer? Where the Word of God is loud and large in our discipleship groups, if you have and so what we do, we believe in discipling one another. 
We believe in walking with one another, sharpening one another, encouraging one another, correcting, training, teaching one another. You try to read through the New Testament without seeing one another. You won't see it. It's all through there. So of this, we call that discipling relationships with one another. Question, though. Well, yeah, I knew that a long time ago. Uh, well, is the Word of God open and alive in your discipleship groups? Or is it just your great opinions? I'm sure you got great opinions. I'm sure Paul thought his opinion was great. And I'm sure Barnabas thought his opinion was great. But where's the Word of God? Right? Is there spiritual decisions being made with, with these things right here? Did I do that? With these things here. Prayer, Word, Spirit, Family. Those things are, the decisions are made. So, for example, uh, you know what, I'll, I'll lose the examples. Think of in your own life, big decisions, marriage decisions. How did it go when you went on your own? Uh, honey, I got something that I want to talk about. Because I kind of made this decision all by myself. <laughs> no, making it within the context of family, discussion, prayer, uh, advice. Um, so when we walk with our spiritual community and we are prayerful in, with the Word of God, uh, we will together set ourselves on a course of victory in unity. Amen? And I believe that then is an answered prayer of Jesus in John chapter 17. How about for you? How does this apply to you? Think it through. Uh, any decisions... Do you know your strengths and are you using them to build up the body? How can you do that in a way? And, and by the way, don't wait to be asked. Don't wait to be asked. It's your strength, it's your talent, it's your gift from God, and it's your responsibility to use that to God's glory. If you've got any questions about that, see Nicole. That's her job, okay? Uh, walk with spiritual uh, community. Know your strengths. Do you know your weaknesses? If you don't know your weakness in accordance with your strength, please get to know them quickly. And the best way to do that is ask your spouse if you're married. I'm sure they'd love to share, <laughs> respectfully and graciously, of course. Uh, if you're single, maybe a roommate, ask them. They know. Um, if you're uh, in college or whatnot, ask your buddies. Uh, if you're a teenager, you got lots of friends. you got lots of par parents. Well, you probably got a parent or two, but lots of parents in the faith that you can ask. Amen. And uh, uh, get to know your weaknesses. If we're not aware of our weakness, we're in trouble. Amen? Okay. Uh, let's go ahead and prepare for communion. Each week we take communion. And remember, I want us to think about a few things. Jesus is so above and beyond us. He was even able to take this defeat and redeem it and use it to his glory. Barnabas is considered a partner later on, 1 Corinthians 6. Mark is considered useful to Paul's ministry later on and wrote the book of Mark. So maybe Mark needed Paul's response and Barnabas' response to grow in Christ. It just demonstrates that even though we may have unity defeats, Jesus is not stopped by our temporary defeats and redeems them and glorifies himself through them. And that's what we celebrate as we take communion. So let's pray.